We are going to move to Heidi Jananga, and Heidi actually has a different business model. He's more she's doing more a SaaS business model. And uh, let's listen to Heidi's story. Heidi's company is one of our case studies, as you know. Those of you following the program, we have a lot of case studies that we are teaching you the program through. So, uh, Heidi, welcome to the program, and uh, take it away. Your audio is not coming through. Sorry, I'll take myself off the mute. Um, thank you so much, and I uh, really appreciate the opportunity to be here again and to share the WebPT story. Um, also echo a lot of what Vikrant had said um, about 1M1M and sort of the philosophy behind it, and I'll just add to, um, you know, my kudos of your support of women entrepreneurs. Uh, so, um, you know, more and more data is coming out that, uh, you know, women who are entrepreneurs or, or even in the C-suite of companies really add so much tremendous value um, and the actual financial uh, profitability of companies is, is actually that much higher. So uh, we just need to keep pushing and get more and more women out there um, doing their thing. So I'm proud uh, to, you know, be able to tell the WebPT story so you can move forward. Um, my name is Heidi Janega. I am uh, a doctor of physical therapy. Um, I'm the co-founder and president of WebPT, which uh, we're celebrating our 10-year anniversary this year. So it's hard to believe that it's only been 10 years. Um, I feel like you know, this uh, startup phase and now into hyper growth and um, a couple rounds of funding later, uh, we should count those years in dog years sometimes. But um, so we, we've, we've uh, been lucky enough to have quite a few accolades along the way, um, including being listed on the Inc. 500 list or 5,000 list for the last uh, five years in a row, um, crossing our fingers for number six this year, uh, which puts us in a very uh, coveted category of only 7% of American companies who are able to achieve that status. So um, super uh, excited and proud of what we've been able to accomplish. Um, but it all started, next slide, with, uh, with an idea. Uh, I'm actually a physical therapist, and um, if you move to the next slide, um, I, I'm a physical therapist, and I was working in, as a physical therapist and also a clinic director running three practices here in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, and um, I had P&L responsibilities, uh, and one of our largest expenses was transcription and dictation. Uh, and so my idea was to try to find a solution that would cut those costs. And uh, a lot of our referring physicians um, had started using electronic medical records, so we thought there had to be something out there for physical therapists too. And when we did our search, we found that there really wasn't. Um, there was definitely nothing web-based. Uh, and if any of you have ever been to see a therapist, you know that we don't sit behind desks very often. Um, and so having uh, to be tethered to, you know, an office or a desk space was just not uh, feasible for, for a work flow of a therapist. And so I partnered up with a, a technology co-founder and we decided to uh, build something that originally was just supposed to be for my practices. Uh, and so we got it up and running. And uh, we were getting very positive feedback from the therapists in with my, within my practice. And some of my colleagues in the area also started uh, to uh, sniff around and say, hey, what are you doing over there? I've heard it works really well. Um, so it took us about nine months to build version one. 
um, with just my practice, and then within the next six months, we had 10 other practices up and running and using our platform, uh, also giving us uh, very positive feedback. And so um, we did a little market research at that time, and we found, and this was back in 2007, we found that 80% of the physical therapists in the United States were still documenting on pen and paper. So light bulbs go on, and we had, you know, recognized that we had stumbled onto something. So we decided to launch the company in February of 2008. Um, we were all bootstrapped at this point. This is actually our very first office, which was the back of a, a storeroom in the back of a coffee shop. So we had one employee. Um, we launched the company in February of 2008. Um, and we sold five clinics that very first month. And then every month after that has just been our next best month. So if you advance the slide, we've continued to grow. Um, we, in 2010, uh, we basically had bootstrapped up into this point, and every month we had to decide, based on our revenues for that month, you know, what was the, the highest priority for the organization? Did we need a new technical support rep? Did we need a new server? Did we need, um, you know, a, a new sort of um, opportunity or a marketing opportunity that we had to put money into? And so we had to make these decisions, basically living hand to mouth, um, putting all of the uh, money that we were making back into the company. Now, we were profitable, um, but we were slow to grow. And what we recognized very quickly was the demand for our product. We couldn't keep up with the demand for our product. And so we decided in 2010 uh, to take in a small round of funding. We did a local, uh, we did local pitches here in Arizona to angel groups, and we um, ended up uh, doing a deal with a local group called Canal Partners, which was uh, led by Jim Armstrong, who was the founder of JDA Software, which is now a multi-billion-dollar uh, point-of-sale platform um, that he started in his garage 30 years ago in Canada. And so not only did um, they bring uh, financial uh, support to the organization, um, but we had this amazing entrepreneur um, who had, you know, basically lived through what we were doing um, as somebody who is now an advisor and on our board. So key takeaway, it, you know, if, if, and if, if and when you decide to do funding, it's not really about just writing a check. Uh, it really has to be about um, getting resources and opening up doors for other opportunities that you might not even know exist um, through the experience of others. Um, another key takeaway was that we really, we needed the money because our de we couldn't keep up with demand. And so what we were able to show through financials, not only were we bootstrapped for, you know, four, three and a half, four years prior to that, but we were already profitable. And so we had a model in which we knew uh, customers wanted to buy our, our product, and we had a significant greenfield opportunity in front of us in which we were able to show that 80% of the market was still available to us. Next slide, please. So, um, you know, we've con we continued to grow. We turned that million dollars of investment. We actually were uh, a mil had a million dollars 
uh, and revenue run rated at that point, and we took a million dollars into the company. Um, because we were uh, able, we were already uh, profitable, and we had a very good trajectory um, and market opportunity, uh, you know, we gave a very small percentage of the company away at that point, which I think is another key point uh, whenever you're looking for financial backing. Uh, we turned that $1 million into 17 in two years, uh, and so we used that money very well, um, judiciously um, putting, making right decisions with that money, and as, as you can imagine, our investors were, were very excited um, and happy with you know, what we had accomplished. Uh, when you have the SAS metrics that, that we had in terms of the percentage of um, inside sales, um, converting, um, or, or, or so I should say, our marketing leads converting into inside sales uh, and the potential greenfield opportunity that still existed at that point, um, you get a lot of VC, uh, venture capital, and private equity attention. And so we held everybody off for quite a few years. Um, but in 2014, uh, we decided that we wanted to swing for the fences. We, again, did not need money. Um, but we were growing super fast and recognized that there were changes that were happening in compliance, there were changes that were happening in the market, um, that if we were going to really meet our vision of, you know, dominating and, and getting full market share uh, opportunity within and fully disrupting our industry, um, that we we would need to, again, do a second round of funding. And so in 2014, uh, we went through a process with a banker uh, and uh, ended up doing a deal with a top-tier um, venture capital firm out of Silicon Valley uh, called Battery Ventures. Um, and that was about a year-long process, and it was not easy. Um, you know, we uh, had assembled a very good management team at this time in which we had a CEO that had uh, raised capital previously, um, which was very key because we had to keep the eye, our, our eye on the ball. Um, because at any point in time during that process, if our numbers started to dip or if, you know, things went south for any reason, that completely could change the, the process in terms of valuation of the company um, or, you know, their trust and, and their uh, ability to see the trajectory that you're, uh, uh, you're, you were on. Luckily, we were we continued to crush it, um, and we landed a deal which uh, not only put money into the company, but also allowed us as founders to take some liquidity off the table, which really, again, we had now in 2014, um, you know, we had been running for you know, six years at that point. And again, I know that doesn't seem very long, but in startup years, it, it's a grind. Uh, and so the ability for us to uh, relieve a little bit of the pressure and not be afraid to make risky um, decisions for the organization was, was really important. Um, you know, we remained second largest shareholders behind Battery still today. And so, you know, this potential second bite of the apple is something that um, I am gunning for. Um, so you fast forward to where we are today in 2018. We now, um, in 10 years, we now own over a third of the market share uh, within the rehab therapy space, which includes physical therapy, occupational therapy, and speech language 
pathology within the U.S. Um, we have the opportunity for international expansion, um, but really our growth has now been um, through M&A. So having the financial backing has helped us to grow tremendously. We just closed a major acquisition at the uh, beginning of 2018. Um, we now um, We'll close 2018, just over 80 million in revenue. We have 500 employees um, where Phoenix remains our HQ, but we're in eight other states uh, where we have hubs um, that have amazing WEPTers around there. So the evolution of WEPT definitely continues. Um, we're not done by any means, um, but it's definitely another stage of the company, um, which has just been fantastic. And, and you can't imagine the, the learning process that has happened for me um, starting out 10, 12 years ago, you know, running a 50-employee private practice physical therapy company to now running a 500 uh, company multi-hub, uh, you know, multi-million dollar business um, has just been an amazing, amazing ride. So how do we do that? Part of it, next slide is from the beginning really, and, the, and this is only became, I'm going to introduce you to a concept called conscious capitalism, uh, which is nothing political, I promise you, um, but really it's talking, because capitalism in general is about companies that are, are for-profit companies, um, and the gist of this is really that profit can be used for good. It's not necessarily only about what you see in the headlines, um, but it, it really consists of four key components that um, from the very beginning uh, we embraced, and so part of it was from the beginning we had a very strong purpose to our business and that was really around staying focused in the rehab therapy in rehab therapy industry because that was our core competency and niche we had a lot of opportunities to move outward and um, become uh, increase our market size um, but the, the six billion dollar market of of rehab therapy, um, you know, seemed big enough to us at the time, and uh, now, uh, you know, uh, niche plays are really where it's at, and so when you're able to kill it in a niche, um, you know, and become the dominant player, have the largest market share, uh, that's meaningful, very meaningful for opportunities in the future, and so driving this higher purpose of embracing um, and empowering therapists to achieve greatness, which is our mission, uh, around a common set of core values. Values, uh, which I shared in our previous um, uh, broadcast, and happy to, to share those again for anybody who's interested, uh, for, uh, which were established in the beginning, which I'm most proud of because now even at 500 employees, those core values still are what we live and breathe by in the organization. The second one is really around making everyone a stakeholder, um, and that includes, this, is, this means that you are not just driving towards a board um, and making decisions based on what the board is going to think. This is really, uh, everyone has uh, decision-making power and input power into the organization, um, from the employees to um, our uh, a community that, that we're actually existing in. Um, Third is really around conscious leadership, uh, and this is really about servant leadership uh, and, and bringing people on that are like-minded in terms of understanding the importance of culture in a company, understanding, you know, the importance of having this collaborative uh, atmosphere. We just hired a new CEO in October of 2016. Her name is Nancy Ham. She is a consummate leader who's been in healthcare IT for many years, um, and I just 
can't stress how important it is as you're bringing in um, senior management within your organization that you have people that truly fit your culture. Um, and that speaks for any employee, but definitely at the leadership. Um, she's been an amazing addition to the team and it just helped our trajectory um, uh, significantly since uh, coming on board. And then last is just to really build, and, and now it's really about for us is maintaining our culture. Culture is going to evolve over time. It's not exactly how it was back in 2008. It can't be. You know, we moved from two employees to 500, um, and lots of senior management uh, leaders now in the mix. Um, but the core and the foundation of who we are is still there, and that's what I think is, uh, again, been as a founder, because those core values are, are pretty much born out of you in the beginning, have been sustainable and scalable through this growth path that we've had over the last 10 years. Next slide. Um, and so, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, I'm obviously a very large organization now. Um, we hate the word corporate here. Uh, we still kind of stick to our, our startup roots. Innovation um, is critical for us. Uh, in our 10-year celebration, we're having a, a 10-year, um, all-year anniversary party, and one of the really cool things that I, I love that came out of our, our marketing and event group was innovation with the I and the O switched to a 10, uh, because it's such a big part of who we are. Uh, and so that passion around rehab therapists um, is part of, of the foundation of our organization, um, but that has to be passed down through everyone in the organization. That same passion, that same drive towards a common vision, a North Star that you have in the organization, uh, is critical, especially as you start to grow fast. Um, and we've been able to do that. I mean, it's, it's really remarkable when I um, go down and, and spend time with our tech support teams, um, and they are able to have conversations with our, our, our members, our customers, um, as if they were therapists and have the same passion as I do. And this is really kind of, this is why as we talk about conscious leadership, it's really about embracing the we and not the me mentality. That this isn't, you aren't um, in a silo. Uh, we really talk about this as from the beginning, we call our customers members because we wanted to build a community around what we were doing. So whether or not you're using our platform or not using our platform, you can still be a part of our community because we, in our marketing efforts, have, have launched um, uh, significant amount of educational opportunities in which we've established ourselves as thought leaders and go to uh, a go-to resource, um, which, you know, at the end of the day, when you uh, are ready to buy an EMR, we want to be the first one that you think about. I alluded to this earlier in terms of committing to your community, um, and this is what, how we think about it in terms of our stakeholders within our business. So, of course, you have your customers, of course, you have your board, and of course, you have your employees. But how many of you think about vendors or the community in which you reside? Uh, we're in uh, the Phoenix Warehouse District, which um, is... Uh, a, initially, was, it was an area that was forgotten. Um, it was a bunch of warehouses. We thought it was cool because it, it was, uh, we could do what we want with it. It was very creative, open space where we could um, uh, have tech teams and, and um, creative folks uh, feel like they had a creative space to, to um, uh, come to. And so all of these things embody who we are as an organization, um, and we talk about it in terms of rising tides raids all boats, 
when you have when you're empowering others they're going to empower you so partnering with other vendors or folks in your community that help promote you um, to help word of mouth um, PR right all of these things that get your brand your organization your company's name out there puts you in front of a lot more folks that that potentially either could buy your product or it also helps for us with recruiting um, I know probably all over the world finding technologists is not easy right now but when you have a brand you have a culture that people talk about um, and your reputation uh, that really stands out and the more people that are talking about you uh, the better opportunity you have to bring the best top talent that you can uh, into the organization and that's what we've been able to do and again partly why we've had the success is all around um, the people which is I think the next slide uh, and so when you find great people it's important to empower them um, you're hiring them for the re for a reason um, you know for us it's it's uh, 50% your skill set and 50% your cultural set. Uh, and the, the skill set is, is critically important. And as we've grown, uh, it's really become more specialized in skill sets. When you're in a more startup mode, it was really around how many hats could you actually sustain and what was your change management uh, tolerance, right? Because things were moving very fast and you had to one day be on the phones with customer support and the next day, you know, you might be learning HTML to help with the website. Uh, and so having those sort of people that are able to, to move through and feel comfortable in chaos, um, really important. We're now in a stage where it's very specialized and we need people that really have expertise in areas uh, as well as entry level, um, but people that are able to pass on their expertise. And uh, one of the things that we talk about from a leadership perspective is really empowering people and giving them autonomy in their roles. You hired them for a reason, um, make sure that you have the expectations laid out clearly, but then let them run. And so finally, you know, as, a, as an entrepreneur um, who's been through a lot of phases in, in an organization, uh, in a very short period of time, you know, some of the things that I have learned over this last 10 years specifically uh, is really about um, this is a grind. Uh, it, there's no way about it. You know, Vikram said the same thing. Like, it is hard work to get to where we were. We, I know it, sometimes it seems easy and 10 years goes by in a flash. And when you look at from the outset and you hear all the numbers, it's like, wow, how did you make that look so easy? It wasn't easy. There was tons of sacrifice, lots of hard work, lots of mistakes and failures along the way. Um, so understand that that people who have gotten to a place like we have um, have really worked hard to get there and be patient um, you know things don't happen overnight uh, we've had some um, you know stars align in terms of uh, compliance things with with a government who which helped sort of um, put us in the right place at the right time and there is luck involved in in successful startups there just is there's things that have to happen and timing is everything um, and lastly it, just get out of your own way uh, you know I think there uh, I especially for, for for us for me as a woman um, and potentially other women entrepreneurs out there you know par, par, part of it in the beginning was uh, me living this imposter syndrome of jumping from a 15 year career into software which I really knew nothing about 
and not believing in the skill set that I brought to the table was going to actually fit a completely different industry. But when I finally stepped out of that and was able to, to, to have some quick wins and understand that the skill set that you bring to the table um, was immediately uh, fitting and needed in, in a growing business, um, I was able to get out of my own way and really help uh, just push forward and get the company going. And so a lot of times the negative talk that we we end up um, pushing too hard sometimes um, slows us down and creates barriers for ourselves. So sometimes you just got to get that out get that out of out of the way, stop hearing that. Um, find mentors, find people that truly believe in you um, and that will give you sound advice. Um, not people that just want to tell you what you want to hear. It's really important to be able to uh, take constructive criticism as well. Fantastic. I believe that's the last slide, so thank you. Very inspiring, Heidi, and uh, your, your points are all really interesting and important points. Getting, uh, giving luck a chance to play means that you have to give runway to luck if you quit or if you think that luck is going to hit you within the next three months, that is not a runway. You're not giving luck enough runway to play. But if you give luck 10 years, 12 years to play, luck will probably find its way to your life and you will have a shot at it. So thank you. Great presentation and very inspiring points there. Thank you so much. Appreciate it.